This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 64 is brought to you by Blueberry Markets. Now, if you want to catch this Forex wave, choice of broker matters. Anybody who has any experience in this game knows And now is a great time to switch over to Blueberry Markets if you haven't already. Not only will you get your own customer service representative, which is worth its weight in gold, you will now get twice the sign-up bonus you could get in the past. And I don't know how long this is going to last. So click the link down below in the description that will take you to the Blueberry Markets blog, give you all the information you need, and then my affiliate link is down at the bottom if you click that. Only then will you receive that bonus. Only then will you receive your own personal customer service representative. And only then will you be strapped and ready to go. Blueberry Markets, unfortunately, is not available in the United States, but if you are in the United States, I have a great broker for you as well. And that link is also provided down below. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and it is Q&A time, everybody. I don't, I don't know, have we done one of these yet? I don't know if we have, but it's, it's high time we did, because I know there's a lot of questions out there on your mind that I may never even think of answering in the future. It just doesn't cross my mind. Um, sometimes it is going to be a future episode, and so I just simply wait for that. Uh, so this week, to collect your questions, I went through some of my emails, and then I also went to the No Nonsense Forex Discord channel. Um, anybody who is interested in that, by the way, all you have to do is go to nononsenseforex.com, click on the FAQs, and the link you need is right there. So I went there and I probed the audience and I said, hey, give me what you got. And people stepped up and a lot of them asked multiple questions. Now, it would probably take two, three hours for me to answer them all fully. Um, so what I just did is I took one question from each of them. Uh, and we will go ahead and answer those here, kind of in semi-rapid fire fashion and see how far into the podcast that takes us. But let's start with a quick markets update first. Now, you guys know I never pass on the chance to tell the world I told you so, Uh, but the markets have started to drop again after a pretty lengthy bull rally uh, that I did not believe in one bit. Now, the bull rally could continue. Just because we're dropping doesn't mean we will continue to do so. I get that. Um, But this downward movement was completely expected, and it came on the heels of the Jackson Hole Summit, where Jay Powell came up and said what I predicted him to say in one of my blogs, or predicted him to do, and he says, hey, we're just going to keep raising rates until we get this thing fixed. Everybody's talking about the Fed pivot, the Powell pivot. I'm like, I don't think that's the direction he's going. I think he's trying to be Paul Volcker, and I think he's just going to go until he can't go no more. You know, all gas, no brakes. Now, we've seen in the past, a lot of times what he says isn't always what he does, but it's it's usually what he does, at least in the short term. Uh, So this spooked the markets, obviously. And then back down we go. Um, Now, as contrarians, as no fun as it is watching our portfolios go down, you know, this does excite us uh, because a lot of things we talk about here on the show are getting cheaper to where we can come in and scoop them up. Um, Now, I have said before as well, this was on a podcast episode, that when we do drop, Um, fully expect us to stay in that lower range for quite a while. Could be years. Let's hope it's not, but prepare for that. So if you need to get out of a bad situation financially, investing is probably not going to be the best route. I would say the best chance probably, um, just because there's not going to be a whole lot of things going up, is either getting into the right metaverse projects, 
trading or starting a business that just makes sense in one of those environments. What are those jobs, you might ask? I don't really know, um, but I know they're out there and you just got to use your brain sometimes. Do a bit of research and see what you can come up with. You know, the key is that you do it early and you do it before your main competition does. You know, I also do think commodities are going to do very well compared to the S&P 500, but I don't really know exactly what that's going to look like because I've never been through one of those cycles. You know, so I'm very bullish there too, but how strong is that bullish run going to be? Is it going to be unbridled upside or is it going to be more tempered? You know, I just don't know. And I've always said, if we can just stay neutral while the rest of the world is falling apart, then, you know, you become rich by default. But I do know there's people out there that want to get out of their situations, you know, especially before a lot of this stuff goes down, because the poor and middle to lower class are always the ones that get hit the hardest by this stuff. And I would just say, take what we've given you so far and just be as, be as aggressive and proactive as you can and allow yourself the opportunity to fail because you always will a few times. Uh, but things that are market agnostic, you know, like trading, like content creation, if you can do it, uh, like finding a job in the crypto space, because there's a lot of them out there right now, you know, things like that can really carry you through, but just keep your eyes open and be aggressive. Okay, now on to questions, and I'll start from the emails and pick some of the better ones from there. Uh, the first one, VP, China is in trouble. Do you think if they go down, we all go down? And this is a pretty simply worded question, but it's actually, I'm really surprised that I didn't consider this as much as I probably should have. You know, we talk about the six crises in the blog, and then we add on a seventh when we talk about, um, you know, wars that may happen in other places. Uh, this really could be the eighth, uh, because as, as much as China is China, and as much as a lot of countries are walking away from them, you know, especially the United States, and moving their resources elsewhere. You know, we're still talking about the world's second largest economy here. So it's really hard to see it falling without other things falling too. You know, and let's say that the Chinese market is completely uncorrelated to the United States market. Okay, well, is it also going to be uncorrelated to Europe? You know, to Latin America? You know, what if those markets go down with it too? Then what happens? You know, I'm pretty bullish on the United States market overall in terms of, I mean, I think it's all going to go down, of course, but I feel like the American market is probably going to suffer the least or at least be, you know, in, in kind of that top 10% as far as survivors go and probably be the, the first one out of the soup as well. But again, like we said, this could be a very long slog and it could go down for a long time. And China could absolutely take every single market down with it just by that domino effect like I explained. So yes, China is certainly something to keep an eye on. We hear all these stories coming out of China about how the housing market's falling apart and this and that. You know, and we all think it's going to fall like sooner than it probably is. Have you guys not noticed that that's kind of how this thing works? You know, We always think these things are going to happen sooner than they actually happen. So when you hear these stories coming out of Twitter or wherever you find them, take note, pay attention, um, but don't panic. Okay, so that was a good email question. Let's go to a bad email question. This is really a bad question I get everywhere uh, in the YouTube comment section, um, on Twitter. Please don't ask me questions on Twitter. Email, uh, Discord every once in a while. And this hasn't happened lately because of the market we're in, but in crypto, some coin will pump out of nowhere. 
And contrarians, what happens to coins that pump out of nowhere 99.9% of the time? You know, they come back down to earth. You know, if it's a parabolic move, the root word of parabolic is parabola. If you know what one of those looks like, it goes straight up and then it goes straight back down. So my stock answer here is just be wary anytime you see a coin like that. And just assume that if you ask me that question, I'm not really going to like it. I don't want to sit, you know, you guys probably have a bit of an affinity towards some of these coins. You're getting excited about it. I don't want to sit there and say, hey, you're being an idiot. You're going to fall for this and you should abort. And because every once in a while you have things that come out of nowhere, you know, kind of like Solana did, kind of like Internet Computer did, you know, and they actually stay in the top 20 and the top 30 for a while. Uh, but it's rare. You know, just ask yourself, what would a moon boy do and what would a sophisticated investor do and lean towards the latter? Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to some of the Discord questions. The first one, let's pull it up. Any books you have read that's impacted you? Uh, the Forex Q&A podcast had some bangers. Okay, so I agree, it did have some bangers. Um, but I have not really recommended a book in a while. Um, I guess what I can say that is relevant to what we're doing here on the podcast would be, uh, and there's a few of these books out there, but the one I'm reading on Jesse Livermore right now is a book called Boy Plunger. Um, there's a few different, like I said, there's a few different books about him and a few books out there on his strategies too, but this is a biography and uh, really not a book I would normally read, um, but I'm glad I'm reading it. It's huge for one. I'm only two thirds of the way through and I've abandoned it for other books a few times already, but I'm back on it now. And Jesse Livermore is noted as one of the greatest traders and investors of all time. He was a savant for his time. He would probably be a savant now. And it's so interesting when you read this book, all of the parallels to what we have done at No Nonsense Forex and on the 10 Minute Contrarian. When it comes to you know the advantages he had over other people, and especially when it came down to the mistakes he made, because he made every mistake in the book, often more than once. Uh, but you get it all. I mean, you get manipulation, you get like the first ever um, bank bailouts, you get stories about living the high life many times. He, he made so much money and lost so much money so many times. And he spent money like an idiot almost every single time, you know, but the book takes you through all those adventures. So it's called Jesse Livermore, Boy Plunger. I have it on Kindle, probably your best bet, because I can imagine this book will be quite thick and heavy if you did not go that direction. Uh, and maybe I'll do a kind of a book report on it uh, via the blog when I'm finished. Uh, but if you're looking for books, that should keep you occupied for a while. Okay, so back to Discord for the next question. Let's pull it up. The most important sources of content, cutting out the clutter, noise, and paid services. In addition to macro voices, what are the must-listen-to weekly podcasts and why? Okay, so if you pay attention to my content, um, especially through Twitter and really in the blog, you can pick up a lot of my sources just by paying attention that way. You know, I don't just sit there and barf them all out because you guys know me. I'm a proponent of you guys doing the work and finding your own. And I don't think these things are very hard to find. Uh, but let's start with some of the, the resources I've given in the past in terms of podcasts. So Macro Voices, of course, that's uh, something I almost never miss. Uh, we have talked about Mining Stock Education, which I don't see that guy putting out a whole lot of podcasts these days. That doesn't mean he won't later. Um, but let me give you a good substitute to that. And this is something I've tweeted out a number of times, and that's uh, Palisades Gold Radio. 
You know, he has people on there that, apart from crypto, talk about pretty much everything we talk about here on this podcast um, in interview form. You know, I'm a big fan of that one. I probably download about 70 to 80% of those that come across my feed. Uh, I have mentioned John Polomny's Actionable Intelligence Alert. You know, if you're having too good of a day and you don't want to have a good day anymore, John will get you right and pissed off at the world. Uh, and in addition to that, he is also an expert on all things energy. So that is a weekly podcast that I make sure I don't miss. Uh, but let me give you one that I have not mentioned before. And that you want to talk about contrarian. When you hear what I'm about to tell you, a lot of you are going to get upset. <laughs> like you're not going to be able, you're not going to believe I listen to this guy. But let me preface this by saying what I've said before about Peter Schiff. You know, there's a lot of places that Peter Schiff goes that I don't agree with. You know, I don't agree with his thoughts on Bitcoin when he starts talking about uh, social issues and things like that. You can pretty much tune that out. You know, he just lost his bank recently. You know, all this stuff, right? Uh, but when the guy talks about macro and stays in the pocket, he is on top of his game. And I almost always want to hear what he has to say. Now, to me, the crypto version of this would be BitBoy. Now, I can hear it. I just lost 1,000 subscribers. That's fine. The show must go on. You know, did BitBoy have a format to where he would be a paid promoter for a bunch of shitcoins? And did he not always disclose that he was being a paid promoter for these shitcoins? Yes, that did happen. You know, is he the Guy Fieri of crypto personality-wise? I would say that's pretty fair. Uh, but he is not an idiot. And a lot of you guys need to get out of your feels on this one. You know, say what you want about his past, but he has taken all the money he's made and the entire show has pivoted. It is now a lot more informational. He's got a really good crew around him. And he is actively trying to change the landscape of crypto for the better. Whether it's politically, whether it's he's trying to come up with a, a competitor to OpenSea, you know, we have no idea if these things are going to even work. Uh, but I will say I like this new direction much better than the old direction. And he does about an hour's worth of long form a day, uh, on the weekdays at least, that is really informational. And I take a lot from it. You know, he's also in favor of a lot of the cryptos and tokens that we like here on the show. He's big into Bitcoin, Ethereum, big into Cardano, big into XRP. And it's not like anything he says is going to influence my decision on whether to buy or sell any of these. You know, but I would rather hear about tokens that I am either interested in or already invested in than a bunch of stuff that I don't care about. You know, so that is a bonus. You know, and currently he and I have the same overall bias on the market, although we have almost certainly not agreed on that in the past. You know, he was one of the ones that was saying Bitcoin was going to 100,000 by the end of 2021. And I was one of the few people out there that was like, yeah, no. But I'm telling you, if you want daily crypto information, you really could do worse. The guy's putting out a good product now. It is what it is. Okay, so uh, one more here. And this is a combination of two questions, but they kind of tie together. And the first part of it is somebody wanting to know how I put my spreadsheets together, which is a good question. You know, I talk a lot about how no matter what you're investing in or what you're about to invest in, you need to keep track of them. You know, I know your trading and investing software already does that for you, uh, but that is not a green light to be lazy here. Okay, so I have separate sheets. I have one for crypto and one for pretty much you know, everything but crypto. And on each of these sheets, I have two tabs. The first tab just acts as a watch list, you know, and it's very simple. I have one column that says the name of the thing I'm looking at, 
And then the next column is just a comment section to where I put some notes down on why I like it. Uh, maybe if somebody I listened to alerted me to it, which is important because they could always change their mind and I, w- I would want to know that. Yeah. And then if I have something like uh, multiple ETFs I'm looking at that have to do with the same commodity or with gold or with silver or something like that, I can put some notes down on you know what the differences are between those uh, ETFs. Stuff like that. Um, but on that tab, that's really all you need. And then the second tab are your actual active positions. Now with these, you have one column for the position, of course. Then you have another column for the price where you bought it. I have a column for how much I actually spent on the whole thing, which is uh, it's pretty consistent across the board, but it, you know, it does fluctuate a little bit sometimes. And I do have an equation that tells me if I've averaged down or something like that, you know, what my new entry price is. Uh, and then a column to where your first take profit point is going to be. And then I have two more columns. One, again, is a comment section, which I don't really use too often. And then another column where I just put down a one or nothing. And I'll explain that reasoning in a moment. But once I finally do take profit on a position, I shade that whole row light green. Green, get it? Uh, And then I go to that other column and I put down a one so I can sort it. And that brings my positions that I've already taken profit on to the very top of my sheet, which just for organizational purposes makes it easier for me. Uh, What I don't do on these sheets is measure how much I'm up or down because your trading and investing software should already do that for you. And it's much easier to have them do it than to try to track that yourself, at least if you're me. Um, But then this all ties into the final question. And that is, you know, I just got done telling you about taking profit. At what point do I sell my losers? Uh, Now, this does not go on the spreadsheet because this is something over time that we have already spoken about. With all the positions I already have out, My stop loss for most of these is zero. You know, a lot of these are pretty well thought out. And I have grown over time to have a strong belief in a lot of these positions. So unless that belief or unless something happened to where that belief has been completely shattered, watching the number go down, it really doesn't make me any less bullish on these positions. Uh, Like we've said before, if anything, it gets me more excited to come in at a cheaper price. You know, so it takes a lot to really shake me off of these things. Uh, like for example, back when I was in XRP, once they got sued by the SEC, I was like, oh, you know, SEC is maybe not undefeated, but they're pretty darn close. I don't like these odds. I'm going to take my money out and put it elsewhere. Um, so that was one of those instances. And oddly enough, you know, a year or so later, I am back into XRP. Uh, but then in last week's episode, I talked about carbon credits and I said, okay, uh, only because tax loss harvesting is a thing. If I had to pick one that just simply had to go, at least for now, that's probably uh, the one that would go. You know, if something has to go, it's going to be that. And then I explained why. You know, I am only investing money I can afford to lose. I don't go overboard with any of these positions. And I have enough of them out there to where I can afford to have my stop loss be zero for every single one of them. And I think that's a really good way to go if you can pull it off. Because sitting there having a stop loss at like, you know, 80% down and then recouping, you know, a small amount of your investment, like for what, you know? I don't think that's a good reason to let go of a lot of these. You know, I think you end up doing what a lot of dumb money does and that's letting go at the bottom. 
You know, I think that makes you the type of investor that the elites and the manipulators want you to be because now you're allowing them to knock you out of the market and take you off of good positions. So you will not see a stop loss column on my spreadsheet. And those are the reasons why. So I think this is a good spot to wrap it up. I'll take a lot of those other questions I got and sandbag them for another episode. Uh, and look, uh, full disclosure out there, you guys don't have to do what I do. I just tell you what I do, and I tell you why I think it's the right way to go. End of story. And I get it if making investments with no stop loss and listening to the BitBoy Crypto Podcast is going to make you look like a crazy person. Maybe the mere idea of these things seem crazy. But you guys tune into this podcast to hear my opinion, and in my opinion, we are not crazy. We are just early. <laughs>